Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's Sal Capaccio. I make a special Capaccio for you, right? Oh, now that sounds really good. Oh, you lie? Hey, get away. Get away from my wife with that. What's the matter, Carpaccio, no good? What? What do you do now? They don't like a Carpaccio. They like Carpaccio. On WGR. I make a Carpaccio for you. Sports Radio 550. Welcome back. No Bulldog today. Hopefully tomorrow. Sal Capaccio joins me, Mike Shope, from Indianapolis. That's where Sal is. And he's on the West Her Hotline. I don't know what I'm setting us up for here, Sal, but like I said a few minutes ago, hmm. I'm wondering just kind of like what your day has been like at the Combine with the just the, the flood of news, really, and, and quote news. I mean, a lot of what you're getting from teams isn't necessarily newsy, but um, cer- certainly a lot of stuff to talk about today that we can try to interpret anything stand out or any certain interactions you want to lead with? Well, I think more and more people that I kind of talk with and discuss the Bills situation with, I really think, and we touched on this the other day, Mike, that I think they're in a better spot. They feel internally they're in a better spot salary cap wise than I think what's perceived from the outside. There's this perception, I think, on the outside, fans, media of, oh, my God, it's like it's like cap hell, right? It's a term that's used, but uh, they found this money. Okay, that's good, but, man, they are so up against it. they got to do so much work, they can't do anything. I don't think that's the case. I, I think they have some ideas about things they might be able to do, and now they're not going to go super wild on it. But I think they feel they're in a better position than a lot of us. And that was that's interesting, just kind of talking with that. As far as, you know, the league itself, you know, there is going to be – some interesting quarterback decisions and quarterback movement. Yep. And I think you have a group of teams that are kind of in that middle tier, like Atlanta, like Minnesota, like Pittsburgh. What are they going to do? Denver, right? They're going to, Denver's not going to have Russell Wilson, but like, what's the plan after that? Where does Wilson go? How does that impact? Does Justin Fields get traded to one of these teams? You know, we have done the quarterback carousel here, mm-hmm. you and me and Bulldog and Joe, for a while. And I remember you saying it might not be as much movement. And that's, that might be true. I don't know. It feels like that's the case compared to the high-profile names. But I, I do think there's going to be some quarterback movement coming up here in the next couple months. There definitely should be. Uh, you've got the three teams at the top of the draft, if you include Chicago, which I choose to, mm-hmm. because I think fields will be traded. In fact, there was mm-hmm, line, there's been line movement on that toward the Falcons. It was Pittsburgh, yep. 
a couple of weeks ago when Adam Schefter made a comment about that, um, which, if you want to subscribe to these things, Sal, might make you think Chicago could do better than maybe most expected in terms of a field trade if there's competition uh, for him. But I like how you laid it out. The team's in the middle. You have the teams at the top of the draft where it's obvious. Falcons, Vikings, what can Denver do about Wilson? Pittsburgh, for sure. I just think, to your last point, there aren't as many teams that Mm -hmm. maybe are up in the air about who their quarterback will be. Certain teams a year ago, um, like Jared Goff even is an example of this, I think, maybe. Uh, If Mayfield goes back to Tampa, teams where, like, oh, they could do almost anything here. Does Detroit love Jared Goff? Whatever. But he had a fine season, and Stafford having another season with the Rams. He's sort of back. Last year, wondering if he's retiring. Uh, Purdy worked out, to say the least, with the Niners. Um, so you, by the I'm just going on and on here, uh, you do, mm-hmm. you also think fields will be moved. I do. Um, and you know, I think Atlanta makes sense. They're not going to get number eight, by the way, two years in a row, Atlanta drafting eighth. They drafted Bijan last year, eighth overall. They get the eighth pick two years in a row. Um, drought, uh, reminiscent I, of the drought. I mean, the bills always in that, <laughs> what, eight to 12. Yes, that's exactly right. I do. I think Atlanta makes sense, but it, it's it's feeling like and it's sounding like here that they're not going to get a first round pick for Justin Fields. Now, maybe there's a team way at the back end, but what team would that even be? Everybody's got quarterbacks there, right? So I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, so it looks like he's not going to go for a one, but he'd probably go for multiple picks, maybe including a two. And part of that reason is because if you trade for him, you kind of have to pay him, right? You're going to pay a if you're going to trade those assets. No team could just say, "Yeah, we'll we'll trade and let him play out the last year of his deal," essentially. But I mean, that, that that might not really make sense, especially if you're giving up a second rounder and more. So I, I don't think they're going to get that first round pick for him. I do wonder which teams, and then you know, what does Minnesota do, and what does Denver do once they do move on from Russell Wilson? I talked with. People from Denver today on the Extra Point Show, Brandon Kristall covers the Broncos. I talked with Vinny Von Sr., who covers the Raiders. That's one interesting one. He said you know, he can't see them going into the season with Aiden O'Connell, so what do they do? Right. So there's a lot of interesting things on the table as far as the quarterbacks. I do feel Justin Fields gets traded, and I think it's the right move, by the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, more than anything, you, know, you get a chance, and we could debate if we, anybody thinks Caleb Williams is better than Fields. I think he does have a chance to be, for sure. But at the very least, I don't think that Justin Fields is going to grow into the ultra-franchise quarterback you need to win a Super Bowl, and you get to reset your salary cap with a rookie quarterback contract. That's a huge part of it, I think. Yes. Um, you know, Fields, I, I always like sort of getting to this thought, Sal, like Fields... Part of it for me is how many coaches and systems is he already on? It's like Darnold with the Jets where he is drafted into a team where the coach is already sort of in trouble and he's going to have to play a rookie and it's high stakes. Like he's going to have to have a a big year or else, you know, you're going to have turmoil. Allen got through that. I think even though it wasn't McDermott's first year, it was set up to work out the way that it did. He didn't have to be such a star, Alan, but that that was it was within the timeline, right? I mean, McDermott getting to the playoffs in his first year, he was he was fine with with Allen as a rookie. Not so for Todd Bowles with the Jets. And Fields just had I mean, he he drew the short straw with that mm. franchise and what how many different 
three or four already different coaches or coordinators, and now he's going to be traded. And I just think, you know, we we look at Josh Allen, we look at Sam Darnold, Justin Fields, on and on, and we tend to talk with certainty about what players they were destined to become, good or bad. And, man, I think you agree. Like, just so much of it rides on that sort of stability and, Mm -hmm. you know, the way an organization is prepared to help the quarterback to succeed, something I didn't ever think the Bills were prepared themselves to be (laughs) until this all happened. Like, they had not been that team before this. Yeah, for sure. Um, You you have to have the right environment and surround that quarterback with the right people, have the right plan in place. And I think you have to have the right person at quarterback to be able to take in all of that. right? I think that's why it's worked here in Buffalo with Josh Allen. I think they have all of that. I think the other thing that's... You know, uh, coming out of here is the the receivers because you know I'm kind of dialed in on talking about receivers with people and you know wh- who likes what and who likes what players and I I feel like there's a growing number of people who don't want to tell you that Marvin Harrison is clearly the number <laughs> one receiver. Yeah, you know what I mean. It just feels like there's more people who want to say that, and they have to qualify it like, oh, I know that you would think I'm crazy, but Marvin Harrison might not be the number one guy. Malik Neighbors is there. And then you have other people who go, no, Marvin Harrison's number one, and you're really stupid if you don't think so. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. But there's, I'm getting more and more of a feel of the, the more this process goes, that Harrison isn't quite viewed as the – can't miss number one wide receiver clear ahead. Now, maybe he still can't miss. Maybe he's great. That's not what I'm saying. But he's not. But maybe Neighbors is better. Maybe Neighbors is the guy that you'd rather have. And people feel weird saying it, but they're saying it. Probably Harrison, if he is number one, does not go until four. Most mm-hmm. mock drafts have him to the Cardinals at four. By the way, Chris Trapasso, our guest today at five and Wednesdays up until the draft, is also someone who has Neighbors yep. above uh, Harrison. Sal Capaccio on the West Her Hotline. Yesterday, Trey White came up. I think it was yesterday or Monday. You brought him up and how you you were thinking, like, not so fast on the Bills moving on from him. You have a column up at WGR550.com on White and Matt Milano and their uh, their status, their outlook here. Let's go back to Trey White, then get to Milano. What what are the... What was the calculus for you with, with him? Uh, where he's at, injury-wise contract wise everything like that what what does the math look like on white and where does it lead you in terms of you know predicting what might happen Tredavious white has a 16.6 million dollar cap hit for the bills this year they can carry that and just you know play and hey he's coming back but i think that's a tough number to live with if you're just uncertain what he's going to be and if he's going to be able to fully recover and be the player that even close to you know, like what he once was. Maybe he is, and maybe they're confident in that. Now, Brandon Bean talked about, you know, how much the character and, you know, DNA of the person and attacking the rehab matters. And not everybody's going to do that. And I, I respect that because not everybody's going to do that. It's like having a diet. You're there, you know, sometimes people really go all in and they're determined, right? And some people just aren't. They let themselves kind of cheat every other day and say, oh, I'm trying to be on a diet. But Tredavious White is the kind of guy that's going to rehab every single day. He's going to be in there. He's going to work hard. He's going to do his best to get out there. And I think that gives them a sense of confidence. And he used that word and that phrase when he talked with us on Tuesday and said that definitely helps give you confidence, his DNA. So you have to kind of at least think, okay, they're probably okay with 
they having him on the roster, but can you live with sixteen million dollars in the cap hit with the uncertainty, especially knowing and what you really you know, this isn't a situation where you better have him and he better be great because hey, Russell Duckles is really good. And Christian Benford had a really good season. And can you even if he can play and he's that if he's not gonna be starting over those guys or being the clear number one over those guys, then you have to again think about sixteen million. So what you can do is release him and save $6 million on your cap. But that still comes with a $10 million cap charge. I just think that's a dead cap hit. I, I just don't think the Bills are interested in doing that. Maybe for a guy in, for Tredavious White who they have a lot of faith in, that's a lot of, that's a lot of money to eat for a guy that's not on your roster. And I don't think the Bills really want to do that for a cornerstone of their organization. I think the more prudent outcome here for the Bills would be for them to go to him and say, we're going to – now they don't have – he doesn't have to agree to – moving his base salary to a signing bonus. That can happen. Um, so, you know, but go to him. Maybe maybe you go to him and say, are you willing to take a pay cut? I don't know. That's a tough conversation. But you could – what they could do, Mike, is they could take his base salary, move it to a signing bonus, add another year, a void year, onto his contract, and then the that signing bonus gets spread out over three years. Instead of paying him $8 million for the base, you basically divide that up over three years, and you can kind of, you know, lower that number to probably below $10 million this year. And I think that would be the, the best outcome. And then maybe he's great again. What really concerns me, though, is the quote from Brandon Bean when he said on Tuesday, we don't know is that going to be training camp? Is it going to be mid-season? Is it going to be two seasons from now? And I'm thinking, wow, if that's on the t- if that's the wide range of outcomes, yeah. you really got to have an educated guess here. Yeah, this this was a really interesting point we came to yesterday, which was how with with Trey White, Vaughn, maybe Milano, I don't know. It sounds like maybe not. You really just have to take a guess at what they're going to be, and. Trey White has been a challenge in that area before, like going into uh, last season, coming off the ACL injury suffered in New Orleans, Thanksgiving mm-hmm. of 21. Okay, when? And it went, it went until Thanksgiving of last or 22 before he, he was back on the field. So it's, it's a commitment in, in certain different ways. Since that injury, 40 regular season games, Trey White has appeared in 10 out of, out of 40. And that does not include playoffs. He'll be twenty. He is twenty nine. This is twenty nine year old season. To That's Milano, right. to Milano, Sal. If I remember how you wrote it uh, correctly, maybe not the kind of injury where the Bills would be too as concerned, at least uh, about his ability to bounce back. Agreed. I, I think that there shouldn't be much. Now, of course, there's always going to be a little bit of that. But look, he already started to. He was walking. He was on the sidelines during playoff games. If you have a broken leg, you're coming back from a broken leg, which he was, generally teams don't want you on the sidelines. And he was not, wasn't out there like the next week. It, it was at the end of the season, so it had to be you know, 15 weeks later, basically. Um, you know, he, you know, 10, 12 weeks later, whatever it is. But he was out there. He was walking around. I mean, there were even rumblings of people wondering, oh, could he, could he come back if they get to the Super Bowl? I don't think that was realistic, Mike. But as Brandon Bean said, it was a freak kind of accident, non-traditional type of football injury is the way he said it. Because when do you really hear about a linebacker having a broken leg, right? I mean, like, so let's be honest. It is, it's more of the, the knees, the ligaments, the twists, the turns, the sprains, even Achilles now. Uh, but it's a freak thing. He got caught up in a pile. He got bent over. He broke his leg. What we know now is there was no ligament damage, which is great. 
I think Matt Milano should be good to go pretty early on. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know this. I wouldn't be surprised if he's participating in some of the early offseason stuff, you know, much less the the stuff that takes place in, you know, in June. But they may want to hold off a little bit too to just kind of get him going and ramp him back up, but the, and the other part thing is about Milano. He's under contract for 3 more years. They worked his deal, reworked it before last year, and he's going to be 29. But that age that guy, I think he can play for a while. And let's also, if you want to look at a little bit of a silver lining here, yes, he got injured last year and it completely stunk. You'd love to have him. He also then didn't have like 12 games of his body getting beaten up. <laughs> like yeah. a full year. He just had he had the broken leg, which is bad, but it wasn't knee, wasn't ligaments, wasn't anything like that. And he, he his body for 17 games, he basically had a full, a full fresh year. Right. 30 in July. Uh, Milano, so a, a little bit, thirty, yeah, a little bit older than Trey White. So we're somewhat near the midpoint of this combine, where it's been two, three days of NFL management coaches talking about their teams and their setup, as we've heard from Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean here already this week. Now we get into the prospect phase of this thing and the testing and everything else. One name for you, Sal, that has come up today is Byron Murphy, defensive tackle from Texas. Chris Trapasso and I had a conversation with Bulldog uh, a couple of weeks ago about Murphy. What I and I, I'm not a- asking you what you know about him or like any sort of interest in the Bills, but I do want to talk about the position. Mm-hmm. And so, if you have Murphy, say he's a he has a late first round grade, the choice the Bills have to make between drafting the receiver everybody thinks they need there and a player at another position, maybe even this player or this position with the other holes they have on their roster. I have a bet with Bulldog that the Bills' first pick will be defense because just, you know, for something to A, for something to do, B, because it has sounded so far like there are so many receivers that when you're drafting late in the first round, maybe you just as well wait but um, obviously, that's that's very much generalized. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I, I, it's a very it's a tough call. I've asked people if you have your choice, should they, should they take a receiver at twenty eight and get like one of the top five, six, maybe if a lot go, or wait, take one in the second round, maybe even again later in the fourth or fifth, you get two of them, you know, there, and it's a, it's a tough call. But if you choose the latter, then the first pick could be a defensive tackle. I mean. Because, you know, that's probably right now, like to me, Mike, right now, their biggest holes would be wide receiver, filling that out, outside wide receiver, defensive tackle and safety, because I think there's very uncertain at safety what's happening. And so you could justify there, and there's nobody you're not taking a safety in the first round here. I don't think I don't think the Bills would do that. So to me, it narrows it down. Wide receiver, defensive tackle right now. Where would it be? And I could make an argument for a defensive tackle. For sure, and they have to replenish that position. Now you can go out and just basically sign guys like you've had. What guys are that like? And I don't mean necessarily these same guys, but Tim Settle, Jordan Phillips, Quentin uh, Jefferson, Mario. Mm-hmm. Yep, Mario Addison. These are guys that have just they've come in. They've been rotational pieces, and I expect the Bills have to. Couple of those kinds of guys. Who knows? So maybe some of the same names. Maybe a Jordan Phillips if he still wants to play. Maybe a Tim Settle. Maybe they come back. Linval Joseph was on this team. I mean, that was a late ad. They needed a guy who you know could be a space eater. He's a little older. Puna Ford. He was a free agent late in the process. He's going to be a free agent again. You can get guys like that all the time. What you can't get is another guy like Ed Oliver 
unless you either pay him or you draft him, or even a Daquan Jones. Of course, I'm leaving him out. You'd love to get Daquan Jones back, but they're going to have to address it. If you go to uh, Byron Murphy's NFL prospect page on NFL.com, All right. do you know who Lance Zerline compares him to, NFL comparison? Oliver. Ed Oliver. <laughs> Ed Oliver. That's right. 6'1", 308, a little bit undersized for the position, but the Bills... I don't think they really – that doesn't matter to them as much because it's a penetrating type of defense. Yes, they like that big bodies. You pair someone with that Oliver um, that's a little bit bigger. So that would be the challenge for me, though, which is if you go and get a guy like Byron Murphy, are you putting him and at Oliver up front? Like, you're pretty – you're a lot smaller than you normally want to be at that position up front. So, yes, I like the player. I like what he'd bring. But I think if you're going to pair Ed Oliver with somebody, it's got to be more of a Daquan Jones type than – a guy who's you know not not a, who's undersized like at Oliver. Mm-hmm. One more sell before you go. I'm not sure you're expecting this, but I'm also sure you've thought about it. Gabe Davis in free agency. So the Ringer mm-hmm. has uh, a ranking today: top fifty soon to be free agents. I want to talk about this later. And they write on Davis. He's the type of player teams often talk themselves into during free agency. It's an interesting perspective on him do you see him getting paid like he was he like a starter basically i do someone i think is going to do that and i don't think that'll be the bills i think the bills would like to have gabe davis back but they're not going to pay him that kind of money and someone will probably be willing to pay him that kind of money i can't imagine out of all the other 31 teams that every one of them would pass there's going to be some team that does exactly that and says sky is what we need and they they saw the four touchdown game against Kansas City. They saw the ninety eight yarder against Pittsburgh. Some other big plays in the Bills' offense. Gabe Davis is a good player. He's a good player. I mean he he's been close to a thousand yards. He might have had it a couple of times the last couple of years without injuries. Like he has number two type of numbers. But the traits don't just jump off the charts, right? I mean like he does. He's not a super fast burner, but he can get separation. It's been a little inconsistent. We know that with the hands at times. He's a great blocker. He has a lot of the traits, and I think a lot of teams will also look at all the off-the-field stuff, which is the good stuff, um, because you know, Gabe, two years in a row, voted the Bills' hardest, won the hardest worker award of the offseason for the Bills. That matters. That's going to be something he's going to sell himself on, his agent's going to sell himself on, all those things and how he fits into a room, how he fits into a locker room, how he fits on a team, and then what he can do for you on the field. I think that's a good point, what they wrote on the ringer. Um because he'll never be like a top-end elite wide receiver, but he'll probably get paid. If he doesn't get paid at the top of this market, which he shouldn't probably do that given the names, it'll probably be in that second, maybe just at the top of the third tier of those group, that group. Just randomly, what do you think about the Giants for him? Well, I think, Mike, my prediction, I said this on the air yesterday, Joe Shane and the New York Giants will sign two or more pills pending free agents. Okay, okay. I think that. I, I think that it's just the way it works. It's just the league. It's how it works. Guys become free agents, and teams that know them say, we know this guy. is not much risk. It's better than getting another guy that we could pay the same amount we know nothing about. So I just think that's the way it works. That's why the Bills you know, plucked off the Carolina tree for so long. It's what teams do. It's why Rex Ryan brought over people he coached with the Ravens or with the Jets for many years. It's It's – natural you're gonna take people and hire people and bring people in you're familiar with so that said 
I, I think that that could be something that they might want. I think they love Gabe Davis. I don't know if Gabe Davis would want that. I think Gabe might have a few other choices, and I don't know if that's one he'd want to go to, but certainly I think that the Giants you know, would be interested given the personalities and the people running that organization. Yeah, I mean, it's an easy choice because of the Bills right. connection, but I mean, it is Brian Dable we're talking about here, and that offense, and Davis was so principal mm-hmm. in it. I mean... Dable's last game was what? How, what did Davis go for in Dable's last game? Is the Bills? Let me see if I can remember. Eight for two forty <laughs> and four. Was that the? Was that the line? That was Dable's last game, right? He left in in twenty two to yes, be the it was. Giants coach. And the Giants have this collection of receivers, but they're kind of all mid. I mean, Wandale Robinson with sixty catches was their leading receiver last year. I'm not sure Davis is the perfect player uh, to complement that but uh, I mean Davis could could legitimately be like the number one guy in that team but that he's not a number one I think that would be the thing you're caught in right yep. he needs to go to a team probably where there's a true number one like the Bills <laughs> and they have and they need a number two but you know the Bills feel like it feel like they want a f- different kind of talent a different kind of flavor of what they're looking for but that would be what you need you need to go and be a number two somewhere um did you see what Shane said today Joe Shane about when asked about the running about um Josh I'm sorry, Saquon Barkley? It was interesting. He said he was asked the question, when you negotiate with Saquon Barkley, are you looking at, are you just basically basing off the running back market or what this player means to us? And his answer was very quick and very succinct. He said, the running back market. (laughs) Well, that's probably the right answer, isn't it? I mean... Not that necessarily yes. the GM should give it, but that's what that's the answer I would give. So yeah, it's great. I just love it because it does give you insight into, you know, how teams value players, and maybe not everybody's the exact same. And you might be able to kind of, you know, throw on a little extra if you, the guy means a little bit more to what you're trying to do and how he fits in. I get that. Like you want the system. It's like this whole thing about the Patriots. The Patriots are completely revamping everything they do in their scouting system. I don't know if you saw this. I mean, it yeah. is totally night and day from Bill Belichick. And Elliot Wolf, who's running that organization now, the GM, sa- he said it. It's great. I love it. He goes, listen, we're doing things different. The old grading system for the scouting from Bill Belichick was essentially how they fit into their team. He said, we're not doing that anymore. We're just ranking them. Like, this is how, who's better than the other guy. And I'm like, that's, that's the way it's supposed to be. But Bill Belichick didn't do it that way. <laughs> Thinking about hockey all-star teams or Olympic teams, right? Where what one theory yeah. is to go get the very best players and another is, well, we don't want the best players. We want the right mix. Right. I, think, I think you want the best players, but other ways to look at it. Thank you, Sal. Enjoy the night. All right, you got it. Thanks. Coverage of the NFL Combine on WGR is brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Fast, sustainable weight loss, then free support for life. Awaken180weightloss.com. And by Outlet Liquor, when you need to stock up, it's the place to buy a case. What's your outlet? Thoughts on the Bills? Free agency, the draft, got a guy, always asking. I want to talk running backs. I always want to talk running backs and that whole thing. And I also spent most of the first hour reminiscing about my late co-host Chuck Dickerson. No, no, no. Bulldog is he's just got, he's out for one day. He'll be back tomorrow. But the coach, the famous coach, my first co-host here at WGR, passed away three weeks ago. We I found out last night and spent some time earlier today thinking about him, talking about him. If you missed that, the Odyssey app, on-demand audio, or WGR550.com. 
Wow, I might have scared people with that. Sorry about that. This is Mike Shope, Chris Trapasso at 5. This is WGR. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 